Hey everyone, thanks again for your patience while I've been away on vacation. We got one more repost for you. This is one of our favorite episodes. This is Which Stats Get Birdies? Welcome in everyone to episode 11 of Up and Down, the data-driven disc golf podcast. I am Joey, joined as usual by Jesse. That's me. We're the nerds who run this thing. And on this special episode, we are talking about the stats that matter most when it comes to birdie percentage. So we've done a lot of background work here, a lot of analysis, and we're going to be talking about it for the first time together on air and trying to see what stats matter most when it comes to actually scoring on the field. But before we jump into that, Jesse, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Um, I just got in a new collector for the shelf, which is always fun. One of those Isaac Robinson 300 soft PA3s commemorating Idlewild. Pretty stoked about that. Uh, it's actually been at the uh, the package drop-off for a while, and I have just haven't been getting home early enough to, to pick it up. So finally glad to get my hands on that. Gonna crack open a... Crack open a cold one here, get myself settled, and uh, I think my fiance and I are going to do something nice for dinner tonight, so today today should be go. good. And of course, we're talking stats, so it doesn't get much better. Can't be too it. bad, right? Not at all. How are you doing, man? I am very hot. It is about 90 degrees and humid all week this week in Massachusetts, so dealing with that, I was able to get out and, and play around on my my local course with my brother yesterday and we did all right i hadn't played with him in a little while so that was fun actually the last time i played with him you were there as well yeah yeah so when you say your local course is that like newton hill that that would be newton hill yeah so that's in in worcester mass um so that is a little bit closer for me than than maple hill to home um so we got out there for a quick one nice to play a familiar course that i haven't got out in to a while in a while so yeah that's a fun one for sure let's let's dive right into it so what i've done here is i've taken a bunch of stats from season averages and i've done the analysis to look at which statistics that, that we tend to talk about on the podcast correlate the most with birdie percentage. So to be more specific, what I've done is I took the 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour stats for both MPO and FPO, and I listed them all out, and I threw it in Excel, and I did a bunch of math to figure out which of the nine main statistics, and I'll list those off in a second, which of the nine main statistics correlate the highest with birdie percentage and it begins to let you talk about which of these stats are the most important. So I, I want to be clear up front in case I fail to word it this way later, but this doesn't mean to imply that a single good performance in this statistic means that you're going to get a lot of birdies, or even that doing well in this statistic causes you to get birdies. It just means that there is a correlation between players that perform well in this statistic and get a lot of birdies. Whether there's causation there or not is hard to tell from not causation. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say is correlation is, is not causation. Yes. 
and of course when we're talking about a game like this it's it's pretty easy to say hey if somebody hits a lot of putts and putts means lots of birdies then you know hitting the putts is causing the birdies but I want to be careful about wording there, that there and not explicitly imply that any one of these stats causes birdies on its own. So Totally agree. The, the stats that we are going to talk about today are the stats that Udisc Live tracks on their website. So thank you, as always, to Udisc Live for making that data available to everybody, including us. And these stats are fairway hits, parked Circle one in regulation and circle two in regulation stats. Those are your main four T to green stats. Scramble percentage, circle one X putting, circle two putting, throw in percentage, and OB rate. So if you need to recall any of the definitions of those stats, head on over to episode three, where we go into detail on every single one of them. Now, before we jump into the actual results, Jesse, you haven't seen any of this work that I've done here, so I wanted to ask you, where would you categorize these statistics as far as what is important when it comes to getting birdies, what is maybe moderately important, not so important, and then what are the ones that completely don't matter? What, what are your just first guesses, general thoughts? Yeah, I'm glad you gave me some time to think on these because... It's, it's not obvious, and there were certainly some of these that just immediately you say, oh, of course this correlates strongly to birdie percentage. But you start to think more about it, and it really doesn't. At least that's what I convinced myself. So I'll start with what I think are the truly important correlators to birdie percentage as my cat eats my wires. Get out of here. Get out of here. So I'll start at the most important ones because I think that list is the shortest for me. In fact, I've only identified one statistic from that list of nine that is truly important uh, in correlating with birdie percentage. And that statistic is circle one in regulation. Okay. Moving to the stats I consider to be somewhat important. The list is a little bit longer. I have three. And even this, I, I hesitate on some of these, but the three I have so far that I'm calling somewhat important are circle two in regulation, fairway percentage, which might surprise you. Um, I think you would have guessed that I would put fairway percentage in the unimportant category, but I'm going to put it somewhat important. And the third one is C1X putting percentage as okay. somewhat important. And then the largest tier of these is my unimportant category things that i don't suspect will have any meaningful correlation at all with birdie percentage and those are parked percentage scramble percentage circle two putting percentage ob rate and throw in rate okay i have written down your list so that i can refer to it as we go through this yep and you're gonna so, hold me to that i've i've signed my life away to that I have. So I'm going to talk first about just the MPO, and then we will jump over to the FPO afterwards. Actually, you know what? I take that back. We're going to do this together at the same time, but I do want to ask you, are there any statistics that stick out to you that you think should be treated differently in the MPO versus the FPO field? 
So circle one in regulation is the one that comes to mind. I think the if you are getting into circle one in regulation, right, all you have to do is make your circle one putt to get a birdie or drop it in if you're parked. And because the men's field on average has higher circle one putting rates than the women's field, I would expect the correlation between circle one and regulation to be stronger to birdie percentage in the MPO than the FPO. Other than that, I, I don't, and I guess maybe you could make the same argument for circle two and regulation as well, but outside of those two things, I don't think we're going to see that many differences across the MPO and FPO. Okay. So I think that's a great thought. Unfortunately, I am here to tell you that you are dead wrong. No way. Yes. So you absolutely nailed it in the start of your ranking list. Circle one in regulation is absolutely the most important stat when it comes to birdies. You have to get in circle one if you want to get birdies at any regular pace. So you are absolutely correct about that. However, circle one in regulation had exactly the same R squared correlation strength in FPO and MPO. Really? There is no difference. And the reason for that is that although getting in circle one in regulation, the number of times that an FPO player versus an MPO player gets in for birdie is different. Absolutely, it is different. But if you look at, you know, the worst FPO putter and how often they get birdies and the best FPO player and how often they get birdies and then do the same thing on the MPO side, the relationship between what that means, you know, if you're a 90th percentile putter in the FPO field and you're a 90th percentile putter in the MPO field, that means that you're going to be, you know, above average in getting birdies, whether you're in MPO or FPO. And the slope of that relationship is is very similar. Regardless okay. of I think I'm the I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around birdies. that. But yeah. So on average, if you're a better putter in either field, you are getting more birdies, regardless of the fact that that number of birdies is different in the MPO or FPO field. There is still a relationship between circle one and regulation and getting birdies. And that I follow. And that you follow. So you were absolutely correct that that was the strongest correlation. However, there are a few that are pretty close to it as well. So... The next one, I would not I have guessed that. Yeah. So if you had to pick one, I think you would pick this statistic, but it is circle two in regulation. So circle yeah. two in regulation in both MPO and FPO was was quite close behind circle one in regulation. This makes sense for all the same reasons. You had put it in your moderately, maybe not so sort of important, and it absolutely is still important. Players that get in circle two in regulation have a higher birdie percentage than players that don't. And it makes total sense because getting into or getting a circle one in regulation gets you a circle two in regulation. Like those two stats are not completely independent. So it's hard to imagine there would be a strong correlation in one and not the other. Right. They're not completely separated. So on the same token, the 
there were three stats that fell in the these are important category. And the third one is parked percentage. No, which we well, talk uh, all okay. the time th that okay. it's not important. We always say that. Right? Every time yeah. we, we have one of these podcasts, we say, oh, you know, in this, he was whatever percent parked, you know, whatever. So it doesn't mean that a player that is parked more often is a better player or that they, in a performance where they were parked more, necessarily got more birdies than somebody else who maybe got in circle one in regulation every time. But players that tend to be parked more tend to get more birdies. So there is a correlation. It doesn't mean that being parked is causing all of those birdies, but players that tend to be parked more also tend to be in circle one more and also tend to be in circle two more, which means if you're getting there, you're giving yourself opportunities to get in for birdie. The and 10 or 20% of the holes that you park don't even really contribute to the birdie percentage that much. But if you're getting parked a lot, it means you're getting in circle one and circle two even more often. Yeah, the correlation is going to be there because every time you are parked, you are getting a birdie. That's what the definition of being parked is. Right? Yes. It means not only that you're within the bullseye, that you're within 11 feet from the basket, but it means that you're 11 feet from the basket for birdie right. or better. Right. But so it is surprising that, you know, you that's the first thought is like, well, of course, they're related. Right. If you're parked, you're getting birdies, but you don't park that many holes. Even the, the top players in the park statistic are not parking that many holes, but it's the players that tend to be parked more tend to get more birdies. And that's what we're trying to talk about here is what are the statistics that for a player on a season that if that player is strong in, that player is going to tend to score better. That's sort of a nice way of wording what, what we're trying to talk about here. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess the way that I looked at it when you were initially asked me was looking at it from the perspective of like a tournament-to-tournament -tournament basis. So in any given tournament, sure. if a player is you know, top five in circle one in regulation how likely is it that they're going to be top five in birdie percentage, let's say. And obviously I think the correlation sure, there is sure. substantial. Um, now I think yeah. should correlate, like you should be able to extrapolate that to a whole season. So I, I don't think I would change my rankings in yeah. any way. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I think we were thinking about it in the same vein, right? Sure. Right. And I think that's that's a good point to bring up is that the conversation in a given tournament might be different, right? If you park 40% of holes in a tournament, you're, you got a ton of birdies and you probably performed very well in that tournament. But as a season average statistic, if you're not a player that parks a lot of holes, you know, you might not, you might not be a player that gets a lot of birdies. Again, it doesn't mean that the birdies are all coming from parking holes, but if you're somebody that parks a lot of holes, you're probably somebody that gets in circle one a ton as well, and, and circle two, you know? Makes sense. So I do want to note that the strength of the correlation for parked in FPO was quite a bit higher than in MPO. 
MPOs was almost on the edge where I maybe could have put it in that moderate category, but it, it was still quite a bit stronger than the, the fourth ranked um, statistic. Whereas in FPO, it was very clearly almost as high up as Circle 1 and Circle 2. And again, I think it's just because if you think about the FPO field and the players that get the most birdies right now in the FPO field, it's the players that throw really far and have these really strong tee to green games and the circle one circle two scramble all that stuff is not creating as much score separation as giving yourself opportunities and the players that get there get the most opportunities all sounds good to me so, so what the, then is in ahead. your next tier yeah. of stats so I have three stats in this next tier as well, and you gave me three of them. But one of them we've already said was important. So circle two you had in your second tier, and we have said that that is in a tier one. So the next one is fairway hits in both MPO and FPO. This is the fourth ranked stat. Very similar to the other T to green ones. I won't go through the whole explanation for a fourth time. I think it's all related if you're staying in the fairway and giving yourself opportunities to get up and down, you're probably somebody who's going to get more birdies. Makes sense. So this is where I think you're going to start being surprised. So the park. I am both had... excited and not thrilled that, uh, that I was wrong, but sometimes it's kind of fun that, being wrong. That's what it's nice to have some exciting, mind blowing right? uh, experiences every so often. Yeah, so you you had put parked in your bottom tier, saying it wasn't important, and I yeah. Think so I've already been embarrassed hear. once. So. Yes, and you're going to be embarrassed a few more times. Okay. So we were surprised, and I was surprised as well when I did this originally to see that that was that high up there. Um, so the next one down the list, by the way, the ranking list was pretty much identical in MPO and FPO. Um. So the, the fifth most important stat as far as players that get birdies is scramble percentage. How's that Oh, feel? boy. That, wow. It's hard to hear. It is. Yeah, I... Because, because we bash on scramble percentage all the time. All the time. Yeah, I. Yeah. Mm, I don't like that. I don't like that. And but it, I'm open again, to. I'm open to hearing the, your explanation. Can you convince me that that makes sense? Yes. So, the way that this falls in my mind, the way that I have learned to accept this, is these statistics and these numbers and these ranks are not implying that scrambling gets birdies because it objectively does not agree with me there i scrambling would go so does far does not get birdies i would go so far as to say almost almost by definition scrambling is not getting birdies yes now How, is it possible however, to scramble and record a birdie yes, yes it is. absolutely it would be wild it and, it has happened an eagle it scramble, is not if you common. want to call it that. What was that? It's sort of like an eagle scramble is sort of what you're doing there. 
yeah, you're like more gaining an, an additional stroke from this out of out of fairway right. position. Right. So the way it makes sense to me is players that are better at scrambling are probably better players in general that are going to be able to score birdies. The distance that you are out of position or off the fairway or on a par three short of circle two is probably not as far as the players that have lower scramble rates and get lower birdies. You know, if you think about somebody like, I don't know, let's say Chris Dickerson or Ricky Wysocki or these players that scramble really well, you know, they might have an opportunity to scramble because they're, I'm air quoting, off the fairway because they threw it to 70 feet. They throw it to 70 feet because they're getting in circle two or circle one or parking it almost every single time. So if you're a better tee to green player, which we've already shown gets more birdies, period, that's not up for debate. If you're a better tee to green player, the chances that you have to scramble are probably not as detrimental or as far off the fairway as somebody who isn't as strong tee to green. You see what I'm trying to uncover here? Yeah, no, it, it makes, I don't want to say perfect sense because I was completely no, off it's the all mark. conjecture. But, but now that, you know, you're changing my perspective of things, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Players that scramble better tend to get more birdies. And I think it's a perfect example of correlation and causation are not the same thing. Scrambling better does not cause birdies. It doesn't. But if you're a player who scrambles well, those skills are going to help you get more birdies. There are some really funny graphics out there on the internet that show two completely different things that just happen to correlate really strongly. And the whole point of it is to try to nail home the point that correlation does not mean causation, right? Sure. And so, you know, you might have these traces of, I, I can't even think of an example, but it it's two things that are completely, completely different, right? It's like the number of movies that this actor puts out in a year and the number of wins that the Boston Red Sox have. And like they correlate extremely well for like 15 years, right? And it's just these crazy, right, right. crazy plots that just are the whole point of them is to try to nail home that like correlation and causation are not one does not mean the other, right? Right. Yeah, and it's it's interesting here because those are inherently unrelated things, but here you have one player, you know, who it's not even one player. I have 300 players that were saying that, you know, in general, the ones that scramble better get more birdies, but we know that there's not causation there. It's just the skill set that allows you to do one is going to get you more of the other. So, let's In a weird way, I'm happy list. that that's the way the stats worked out. Yeah, I, I think it sort of allows us to state that so clearly, right? The, yep, the relationship absolutely. of correlation and causation there. So the last stat that I have in this moderately important statistic, and this one is the same in in both MPO and FPO as are the other two scramble and fairway hits, and... You had in the la as the last stat in your mid tier circle one x putting. 
And I am very excited to tell you that that is not the stat. It is circle two putting. Is Okay, that was my next guess. Of course. Circle yep, two there are, putting. There are not many options left, so, yep. Circle two putting in both MPO and FPO had about twice as strong of a correlation with birdie percentage than circle one X putting. Circle two putting did? Yes, compared to circle one putting. Twice as strong of a correlation. Yep. So I'm talking okay. about the the R squared value here where we compare the, the, the accuracy of that best fit line that you put through all of these points on the graph. Okay, that is uh, interesting. I, even after all the discussion we've had up to this point, I don't think I would have guessed that circle two putting was more correlated to birdie rate than than C1X, and certainly not twice as much. That's yeah. I would have I, said I that was, was certainly about... a stretch. I was trying to think about why, right? And I think it comes down to separation. We use that word a lot. And it's when are you doing things that are getting you birdies or getting you strokes on the rest of the field from a position that other players are not? Or what are you doing that's different than the other players that is getting you birdies? And we've shown that the Tita Green stats do that. Now, obviously making circle one and circle two putts gets birdies. Of course it does. But regardless of how many putts you hit, if you weren't there in regulation, whether it's circle one, circle two, or I guess parked is sort of irrelevant here because you wouldn't get a putting stat from that. But if you were in circle one or circle two in regulation, you have to hit a putt to get a birdie. Of course you do. But if you are not in circle one or circle two in regulation, you're still hitting putts that are contributing to your putting percentage, but not to your birdie rate. So there are plenty of players that are not great tee to green players and then knock down 87% of their circle one putts, but they're not for birdie. So every single situation where you hit a circle one X putt for birdie means that you were in circle one in regulation. Exactly. So there's always going to be a circle one in regulation there. So it's always going to yep. matter more than circle one X putting. And circle two putting a little bit a little bit less so because the number of players that tend to hit putts from circle two is substantially smaller, right? So there's a little bit more separation there where you could get more birdies on average than a player that gets to circle two as well in regulation if you are a good circle two putter. There's just not enough separation in circle one X putting. And I would have thought that there might be a big difference between MPO and FPO in the putting stats. Just, I, I feel like in FPO, you've got these far, far, far away circle two putters that are so far away from the rest of the field. Whereas the MPO, you've kind of got a smoother curve as far as how many players fill that out. You know, I feel like you've got a strong top five or, or even top 10 FPO circle two putters. And it it was pretty related as, as far as MPO versus FPO. Fair enough, man. Yeah, that that is interesting. I don't think that blows my mind as much as the scramble percentage bit, but yeah. that, is, that is a good one. Yeah. 
So in in MPO circle one X putting was actually eighth, and in FPO it was seventh, but not by a whole lot. The the seventh ranked stat in MPO was actually OB rate. So I looked a little more closely at this because this surprised me that it was close to Circle 1X putting. It was actually ranked as more important than Circle 1X putting. And what seems to happen in OB rate is that there was a, a relatively small number of players. So out of a field of a little bit less than 300, there was maybe 10 to 20 players that had very, very high OB rates. And I have to imagine that it's because they didn't play very tourna- very many tournaments. And I didn't look into too many of these, but I looked at a few, and there were some names I didn't recognize immediately. So I think that maybe they're players that played a few Pro Tour events, went OB a lot, didn't do that well. And obviously, if you go OB a lot in just a few tournaments, you probably didn't get that many birdies in those tournaments. And it sort of skews the t- statistics that way, where if you look at the plot of this, the vast majority of the points sort of fall into a cloud, you know, just a circle where there's not really a strong trend in either direction as far as OB rate affecting birdies. But the players that that tended to have way more OB rates tended to get quite a bit less birdies. Um, There aren't that many of them, but they do exist. So one of the things I was thinking about... It's not as true. Go ahead. One of the things I was thinking about when figuring out where to place OBs was I was always pretty sure that OB rate was going to rank in my unimportant tier. But I also remember that Paige Pierce like pretty regularly is not at the top of the OB rate uh, list. And by the top, I I guess I mean the the best, like the lowest OB rate. Yeah. She usually she goes OB goes more OB than players. Quite a bit. Yeah. And her birdie rate, I right. think, is like by far the best in the FPO. Like I it might be her and Kristen one and two, and then no one else is remotely close. It it was her and Kat by by a substantial margin. Okay. Remember yeah. this is twenty twenty one. Sure, sure. That's yep. Good point. Uh and in the MPO, I don't think there are any players that stand out to the same extent as Paige and Cat. I mean Paige and Cat are are in their own tier and they also like we said they've never been uh they've never shied away from the OB or at least they find themselves there quite a bit. On the MPO right. side I don't know that we have those players who are those elite T to green guys that we associate with going OB more often than average. Uh but that was one of the obstacles I had to overcome for a second when trying to figure out where to place OB rate on the tier list. Yeah. And I think that that's a good point because OB rate, again, the strength in MPO was twice as strong as the strength was in FPO in favor of a better OB rate giving you more birdies. So I think this actually kind of works to your point where in FPO, there's still room to be a very aggressive player where you can be very aggressive, go OB, and still get yourself, let's let's say, pars or, or maybe even birdies. And if you're the type of player that plays that way, you, you have a pretty good chance that you're going to get in circle one, circle two, parked, and get birdies. And 
the other times that you don't, you're going to get up and down for your pars. And I think it's those pages, those Katrinas, those Ella Hansons, where you have these very aggressive distance bomber throwers who maybe go OB a little bit more often, but are still getting a ton of birdies. And you don't see that as much in the MBO. So I think those players tend to undo that correlation that you would expect from OB rate and birdies, where, you know, at first glance, of course, more OBs would mean less birdies, but those couple players at the top sort of break the mold. All right, so I think that's the top seven so far, or top eight. It's it's the top eight because we we did talk about circle one x putting when we were talking about circle two. So the final one, the ninth in both, which had pretty much no correlation at all with birdie percentage. I think you expected this throw in rate. Yeah, I think I think a hundred percent. If I actually ranked them one through nine and not just into three tiers throw-in rate absolutely is is dead last yeah it's and everybody understands why you know these these throw-in rates we're talking about like you know one in two percent of of your throws you know for the best players are are throw-ins so it's just not it's not a large enough contributor to getting birdies and things like that and you know you're just as likely to throw in for a par or a bogey as you are for a birdie so There's no correlation at all there, no reason to even talk about it. But once again, I will list them off in the same order for both MPO and FPO, except for OB rate and Circle 1X putting. We have Circle 1 in regulation, Circle 2 in regulation, Parked, Fairway Hits, Scramble, Circle 2, Circle 1X, OB rate, and Throw-In rate. Those are, in order, the stats that tend to be correlated with players that have a higher birdie percentage. I'm really glad that we did this because I think we're going to reference this for a long time. Yes, I think it's going to change the way we talk about scramble percentage a little bit where, you know, maybe we still understand that scramble percentage itself is not what is getting you birdies, but players that scramble better are showing us that they have the tools that are also required to get birdies. Yeah, I guess I would say that scramble rate correlates strongly to just overall disc golf skill. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like the heart and soul of good disc golf, right? Is when something doesn't go your way and you've got to get up and down. And the skills required to do that mean that you're an excellent disc golfer. And it makes sense because... Some people are great putters. And if you're scrambling... You've got to make a putt, presumably. So you've got to be a good putter. And you've got to get yourself to a position to make that putt from an unfavorable position, which means you probably have to make some magic happen off the green. You're probably someone who's very familiar with your discs. You know exactly how to throw perhaps an awkward shot to get exactly where you need to be. And those guys tend to be the people we talk about as the best in the world. Yeah, it's hard to imagine somebody that's an excellent scrambler, but is like really bad tee to green, you know? Yeah, and I think that is the perfect way to say it, to like really hammer home why scramble rate correlates so well. Yeah, I say it correlates so well, it's not like it's top three or four, but 
no 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 it's it's still quite low com compared to the other ones but if you if you look at this graph you know it, anybody who has taken sixth grade math can look at this graph and say hey there's a trend there you know players that that have a higher scramble percentage get more birdies you know and i think i think the math supports that and i think the most important thing is I'm really excited to throw some of these plots on our Instagram and see what people think. I'm so excited. The ones I'm most excited The ones I'm most excited to share are scramble percentage of course. Circle 1x putting I think is going to surprise a lot of people because there really isn't a big trend there. Um it, it's really just a cloud of points and I think that's going to surprise people. And Totally agree. Couldn't e agree more. Even even circle 2 putting is is less than I would have thought. Whereas I, I think most people understand why circle one in regulation is so strongly correlated to birdie percentage. Even if you're an average putter, you're getting a ton more birdies than otherwise if you're getting to circle one in regulation. Yeah, that's the trick. I mean, I know for me, like every round I've ever played that I get a lot of birdies, it's because I'm not putting a lot of pressure on my deep putting, you know? Yeah, if you're not getting in circle one in regulation and you're getting a birdie it means you either had a throw in or a circle two putt and the best circle two putters in the world on either side mpo or fpo you know we're talking 30 percent so when you now that you've plotted all this stuff up are there clear tiers of correlation right so i think you said the difference between circle one in regulation and circle two in regulation in terms of how they correlate to birdie rate was they were not super different is that correct yeah so the way that the way that i have it drawn here is circle one and circle two are absolutely the top stats for fpo parked is completely in that top category whereas in mpo parked could probably sit on the, the borderline between being important and being moderately important. And then fairway hits for, for both sides are pretty close to, to the top stats there. And then scramble rate separates itself a little bit above circle two putting. Then all the other three stats, OB rate, circle one X putting, and throw in, there's a huge drop off there. So those three are clearly in the bottom and circle one and circle two in regulation are clearly at the top, and then it gets a little bit muddier in the middle. So I'm not sure how much of the audience understands like R-squared lingo, but for sure. me, Joe, give me the R-squared on the throw-in rate. Yep, so the R-squared on the throw-in rate in FPO was 0 0.018. So Okay. <laughs> Just a quick reminder for everybody, if you're not familiar with the R-squared, so it's a measure of essentially how, how linear is that line? How, how true is it that more, more throw-ins get you more birdies? And the, the max you could ever have a perfectly straight line would be 1.0. So something like, you know, point, point 0.6 to point 0.8 is, is a pretty strong correlation. Anything under 0.5 is, is quite low, and anything under 0.2 is pretty much not a correlation. So throw Yeah, I think it's 0. important to... Yeah, I think it's important to note that 
you know, oh, it goes from zero to one, so point five must be like decent. Generally, yeah, in practice, point five is not that's not considered a decent correlation at all. Um, you really no, want to be in that like point six to point eight range, like you said, before you can really yeah. say with confidence, like yes, there's a there there's is a, a substantial there's a meaningful correlation here, right? And point zero one eight is is abysmal. Like that, there's no it's irrelevant. No, no correlation there at all. Right. Yeah. So, like, if we take a stat, you know, that's right around point five. So fairway hits was right around there. You know, if you look at the graph, you can see that there is a movement, you know, up into the right where more fairway hits means more birdies. But there's also a ton of variation. So somebody who let's say is at 70% fairway hits. There are players as low as 20% birdie percentage, and there are players as high as 45, almost 50% birdie percent. And both of those players have a 70% fairway hit. So you could have twice as many birdies as another player who has the same number of fairway hits. So that, that sort of exaggerates that although there is a trend, it's, it's relatively weak. You know, whereas circle one in regulation, it's it's much tighter. You know, you can pretty accurately predict what your birdie percentage is going to be from circle one in regulation alone. Yeah, I'm excited to see these plots. And I think for anyone at yeah. home listening who is having trouble picturing what these graphs probably look like based on what the R squared values. First of all, totally understand. Can't blame you. Second, I hope you're excited to check out these plots as well. Yeah, definitely follow us on Instagram if you don't already. And if you saw some of the plots on Instagram and then came to check out the podcast, we appreciate that. Hopefully it provided some more context and information other than just the plot itself. But that is all I had for this episode. Jesse, do you have anything else you want to say? No, just thank you to anyone who's ever checked out the podcast. I mean, we've certainly never done this uh, with hopes of hitting it big quote unquote you know it's just something we do because we think it's interesting and we think uh there's not enough discussion and definition of statistics in the sport and it sounds like a lot of people at home feel the same way so we we've been glad to get that feedback from some of you guys and hope you're enjoying it and hope you continue to enjoy it going forward yeah, completely agree with everything you just said. We're very excited to talk about the next major, the European Open, coming up. So our next episode, I imagine, will probably be the tournament recap of that. We love diving into these majors. Yeah, always another level with majors. Just talking about the best players in the world and just really deep, deep player pools and more rounds, right? Yeah. It's usually four or five rounds for the majors so plenty of data to to comb through and just lots players, of big stories rounds. right winning majors is a big deal yeah players tend to play really well you know the cream rises to the top so the stats tend to be even more correlated with who who wins and i love to see that so very exciting yeah, excited to, to see some episode 12 yeah excited to see some unfamiliar faces you know some of the new year european faces that we don't see week in week out so it'll be fun yeah well that's all i got so we will see you soon